this crazy world we live in, when people use the word geek, it can create certain impressions. In reality, geek culture has never been more mainstream. Let's learn about the real people behind the stereotype. I'm your super dummy Paul. This is Geek. My name is Brad Flicky. I uh, contribute news and reviews to DC Comics News. Uh, I uh, am also on the DC Comics News uh, podcast and on the uh, Harley Quinn Mad Love podcast, which is also part of the DC Comics News podcast. I've guested on uh, some podcasts for comics in motion, uh, like Superheroes for Dummies and Any Comics Spotlight. Uh, so uh, that's where you can find me. And uh, I've also had a history of music writing uh, over over the years. And that's how I kind of got into into writing was just actually started writing uh, about uh, about music. So uh, after this conversation, we'll talk a little bit about music here and there, too, because it's a big part of my geek journey as well. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of where you can find me and if you want you can follow me on twitter at flicky b1 uh i'll spell that out uh it's uh uh f i l i c k y b and the number one i've been writing for dc comics news probably going on to maybe i want to say four years at this point with like uh two of the around two of those on uh on uh, doing the podcast as well. As far as the writing goes, I was on Facebook one day and they had uh, an ad out. And I thought, well, you know, I, at the time I had stepped away from writing a little bit and I thought this was my, this is my way in. So uh, I emailed, I think at that point it was Damien and Damien and Josh got back to me and uh, handed them a sample. And uh, that's, uh, and the rest is history. I just started taking up news stories and then uh, then reviews and uh, then the podcast. I was born in a small town in uh, in Ohio, uh, in the northeast part of the state, about sixty miles south of Cleveland, called Canal Fulton. It was pretty close to uh, to like the Akron area. Uh, I was the baby of seven kids. Uh, my my mom was was uh older when she had me she was 44 so all my siblings were a lot a lot older than than i was uh so and in fact when i was in junior high my sister and brother-in-law were both teachers where i was going to school so i could not uh i could not get away with (laughs) with anything um but um you know and I, i was born you know i'm I'm older than a lot of geeks out there, yet I'm still into the whole thing. I I was born in 74. So, you know, my mom was born in 30. My dad was born in 1926. So when I came along, they were kind of, at that point, they were kind of out of any kind of popular culture, uh, you know, expertise, or they, you know, they kind of left that behind. So all that was kind of things that I had to you know discover on my own and uh you know a lot of grew up listening to a lot of like country radio singles and show tunes so 
I kind of had to, you know, not that I have anything against those, but I kind of had to find my own way. And uh, one of the big, you know, signposts along the way to help me find my identity and find my way was when I was when I, you know, discovered comic books. And uh, that really helped me to get a little bit more of an education about the world beyond my small town in Ohio. So, uh, you know, that's one of the reasons why comics are still so important to me is because they were such an important part of my, of my education growing up. And uh, yeah, I, I moved to New York in uh, 1998 to start working in a music magazine. And uh, I, I've been in the New York area ever since. Uh, one of my one of my siblings, my sister, was living in Philly, so I would always come out and uh, and visit her when I had breaks from school, and we would come to New York, and I kind of just fell in love with it. You know, whenever I was leaving, I felt like I was leaving home, so I came out to New York as soon uh, as soon as I graduated college. I graduated with a, an English degree. This writing has always been a, an interest to me, and you know, I think part of the reason why is definitely because of of comic books and, and my discovery of Stephen King, but I'm sure we'll get into that when we talk about the whole geek journey thing. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, my family is pretty close knit. We, we all love each other and, and get along. So I, I felt lucky to, you know, have that be a part of my life, uh, you know, as well. So I guess in a nutshell, that's, that's my background. Now I, I, uh, I run a communication center for SEIU, uh, which is one of the big uh, labor unions here in the States and in Canada. And uh, that uh, gives me a little bit of writing, helping with scripts and things like that for when we do our political outreach. And, uh, you know, I guess politics has always been an interest of mine as well, which also was influenced by by uh, by exposure to comic books in an early age too. So it all kind of comes full circle. A lot of times we'll have projects that come last minute. So we have to adjust schedules and things like that. And, uh, you know, it, it's um, it, it's a bit exciting in, in a way because the things that are going on politically really affect the work that we are doing on the job. So we kind of always have to kind of pay attention to what is going on in the world and in the news and, you uh, uh, you know, kind of get minute by minute updates, especially when things like uh, immigration reform were happening and things like that. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, it does take up, it does take up some time. Also, as I get older, time becomes much more precious. So, uh, and, and I have a very voracious appetite, like I kind of want to read every comic book that's out there. I want to, you know, so I have to, you know, really take advantage of the free time that I have to kind of absorb that because I never, I never want to uh, to lose that and fall behind, <laughs> and that's the important thing too. Is is um, I, I for mental sanity, I don't want it to get to the point where all I am reading or all I am absorbing from from that geek perspective, I don't want it to be all for work. I want it to be because it's stuff that I love. I never want I never want to lose that, and that's a good balance to kind of try to maintain. I think that's what happened when I was working in the mag with the music magazine is that um, it did, you know, I still love music dearly, but I think that um, the constant coverage and the constantly being 
in that world, suck a little bit of that enthusiasm away a little bit. And I, and I will not let that happen on the more geekier side of things. So on the geekier side of things, where did your geek journey begin then? Well, you say it was, um, you kind of had to find your way into it. How, how did you come across um, comic books to begin with? Well, so it was uh, my second grade year. So and this would have been probably the fall of 82. I was running on the playground and I happened to glance down and uh, in the pile of leaves, I found a G.I. Joe action figure. And I, something came over me to, to pick it up and hold on to it. And uh, all of a sudden, I just said, well, I want to see what this is about. So I started collecting G.I. Joe action figures. And probably a few months later, I was in a local pharmacy in my hometown. And this was, you know, back in the day when they still sold comics on the spinner rack in places like pharmacies and convenience stores. And I saw, what is this? This is a G.I. Joe comic book. I want to see what this is all about. And uh, it was uh, G.I. Joe issue 10, I believe. And I read it and it just really kind of blew my mind. I, I hadn't been exposed to anything like that before. And that particular issue was kind of a wild story. Uh, a couple of characters, Scarlet and Zap, get captured by, uh, by Cobra. And they, they kind of get uh, exposed to the psychedelic drugs like a truth serum and they start hallucinating. And it kind of blew my mind to see, I never, you know, never really experienced that, how art and the dialogue work together to show something that was completely unique. And it just, it just kind of spoke to me. So I would get G.I. Joe every month. Um, to this day, Larry, Larry Hama's run on G.I. Joe is one of my favorite uh, run in comics history. I, I, I loved it. And, uh, you know, there was, you know, other comics that caught my eye. And one day I was with my dad, you know, picking up groceries and uh, something came. like, I want to see what this issue with Spider-Man's about. So I grabbed an issue with Spider-Man and uh, I was sick home from school one day. My sister brought me home some random comics. And I remember one of those issues being an issue of ROM Space Night. And uh, between those experiences, I just, I was into comics for good, basically. Uh, you know, I had my phases, but um, that, that started it all. And uh, I really, at that time, fell in love with um, Chris Claremont's X-Men, another one of my favorite runs to this day. And that was kind of my first exposure, I think, to a broader social consciousness, uh, which is, you know, I said, we come back to the whole politics thing, but uh, it was my first exposure to a real anti-racism uh, message was in the pages of X-Men. And that really resonated with me and left an impression. So, you know, I, um, I was, at, you know, at, at that, at that time, I was more of a Marvel guy, you know, that the whole idea of the world outside your window real, really appealed to me rather than made up cities like Gotham or, metropolis you know it, it was seen more grounded 
And at that point, it was 82. So that was really only 20 years into Marvel's history, really. So the continuity was a lot easier to follow at that point. But around that time, a few years later, is when things got really interesting in DC. And that's when things like Watchmen, Ronin, Dark Knight Returns came out. And you realize that comics was growing up and I felt like they were growing up with me. I, I, I remember, you know, I was probably 11 at the time discovering Watchmen on a trip to, you know, I, I got the book out of the library and read it on a trip my family took to see my grandma in Pennsylvania. And uh, I couldn't stop thinking about it the entire, the entire trip. And I was too young to process exactly what that story is about, but I knew it was about something, something, you know, big themes and, and it was different than any comic that I had read. So that kicked up that maturity level for me uh, to a whole nother level. But then as, you know, life intervenes and uh, I got my first girlfriend and I was probably in 89 and um, that's when I kind of stopped collecting comic books monthly for a while uh, i although i was obsessed with batman that summer because that was the summer that you know the tim Burton's batman came out so that was that was still a big part so there was a few years where i wasn't collecting and then i i got back into it for a little while when image began because i liked the idea of being in on the ground floor for the birth of a new comics universe you know at the time it seemed like it was going to be something that was going to be able to compete with uh with marvel and dc and i kind of wanted to be the be there at the beginning but you know then the whole thing happened where their issues would be delayed and you know it, it that just got to be a mess so that kind of drove me away from it again and then i you know then i i went to went to college and um that's when vertigo hit and i I don't remember how I discovered Sandman, but I remember that I would have a uh, a ritual, if you will. Every month, I would go and get a new Sandman trade until I was all caught up, and I fell in love with Sandman. And um, I, uh, my my friend, you know, I'd seen Preacher on the newsstand, and the cover of that first issue was really striking, but I didn't pick it up. And then I, I was talking to my friend when I was home on uh, spring break and he, he started telling me a bit about Preacher. And then I went and got Preacher. And then after that, between Sandman and Preacher, I realized that I needed to have everything that Vertigo was putting out. So, uh, you know, that was probably 97 or so. So I, I was big into Vertigo in those days. And then I moved to New York in the summer of 98 and it just got a little, I just found myself, I'm starting the new job. I just found myself not having the time to hit the shop every week. So I kind of just, I, I had to fall out of comic collecting again. But, um, you know, in, in, also, in the, in the meantime of all the geek things going on, um, I'll backtrack a little bit. And last day of school, seventh grade, uh, I saw that a classmate of mine, I still remember her name, Tiffany Morris, was reading uh, 
the Bachman books by Stephen King and something again came over me and said, Hey, can, can I borrow that book? She said, I oh, know you can have it. And I started reading it and it was like a light switch went off. I was like, I'm going to be a writer. And then that summer I became obsessed with Stephen King and read, uh, you know, all of his books. And, uh, it was a little, you know, and a few months after that, um, that same friend who turned me on to preacher, but we were in high school at the time. He said, uh, you, you need to check if you like Stephen King, you got to check out this band Anthrax. They have a lot of songs based on Stephen King novels, and there's a song about Judge Dredd. So I said, okay, lay it on me. So that got me really big into music. So the whole geek book thing also got me into music, which led me to be a DJ in um, on college radio, and that led me to a job in a music magazine and led me to write for them. So that's it's kind of still all connected into the geek world. So, you know, I started uh, moving forward a little bit. I started at the music magazine and, and uh, that just led me to get out of comics for a while. I just didn't have the time. Uh, and at that time on the weekends, I would go down to my sisters in South Jersey from New York. And um, there was a, a CD store there. And I would always take leftover CDs that we had at the office that nobody wanted. And I would sell them back every weekend. And at that point, I'd heard a lot of things about how good Buffy the Vampire Slayer was. And I noticed that they had the first season really cheap on, on DVD. So I picked up the first season of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and watched it and loved it and then watched all the episodes. And right around that time, so I guess it would have been 2005, news came out that uh, Joss Whedon was writing... Uh, an X-Men series, Astonishing X-Men. So that got me back into the shops in 2005. And uh, I, I never stopped since. Uh, you know, I, I just, it just really took hold. And in 2006 is when the first New York Comic Con was. And, uh, you know, as I was working with this music, music magazine, I was able to get a press pass for that. And I went. And it, it it's it was so much different than it is now. Um, you could just walk into any panel and just you know it, it was just incredible. You know it was just really eye opening for me that I could be sitting just a few feet away from some of the biggest writers in all of comics at that point. Bendis, you know, having a panel with Bendis sitting a few feet from me, and that just blew my mind. And in my experience with the music industry, is that I never. I never felt cool enough or accepted. I mean, I sure I made a lot of good friends in it, but I just, I never felt that I had the right look or I was, I just never felt cool enough. But in the world of geek culture and comics, I always felt accepted. And that's something that still persists to this day. So uh, through my connections with the music magazine, I would go to Comic-Con every year. And since then it just got, more and more into it and ingrained and absorbing more and learning more about it and it just became so much a part of of who i am these days it just i couldn't it would be hard for me to separate myself from my love of all this stuff because it's so uh it is so varied there's something in it for everyone and there's something in it that will keep you engaged for the rest of your life it's so varied and there's so much out there i think as 
your your taste kinds of change, things hit you differently. And I think when you're younger, music has a sort of emotional release, no matter what that emotion is, that's instant and you need that. And I think as you get older, you like to be a little more reflective and, and tinker under the hood about why you're feeling these things. And, and I think that that is another reason why I got so addicted to the idea of story. And I think that's one thing that is great about geek culture is that there is so much story. Because if you come right down to it, if you were to ask me what I'm, what I am obsessed with is stories. And that's why I love books and, and film and uh, video games because they're all so story driven. And um, not only at that time, when I was working for Music Magazine, I started to get really more into movies as well. And I think that was part of the evolution as well. And plus, just from a real practical side, um, when I left the Music Magazine, uh, it, was at, it was in 1999. And, or I'm sorry, 2009. And that was at a time when the music industry really fell apart between downloading and the great recession. It was really just shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. And I knew that it was never going to be the same. So when I left, I never really felt the need, like I had to work my way back in, or I had to stay in. I was ready to explore new things, even though the, the job that I took um, right after leaving the music magazine was writing um, some band entries for an online uh encyclopedia that honestly at this point the guy who was putting it together his mother passed away and I don't know if it ever really was published but I, I did do a lot of writing for that so I was freelancing kind of in the music industry for a while but it just got too too small and the geek meanwhile the geek world was just exploding it, it kind of but it, it allowed me to refocus too and really you know like I like I was saying, how I, I kind of fell out of love with music a little bit, but um, it, it that helped me recenter and reconnect with a lot of that as well. And I think in the end, I think it's it, it was healthy, and I uh, I don't regret not trying to stick with the music uh, business side of things. I think I would have been completely burned out and miserable at this point. Now I'm at a point where I can still have a um, an avenue to express myself and the things that I love and without sacrificing that little piece of my mental health by kind of separating it from the money side of things. Also, because I do love politics in a way that the, the job that I have now, it does feel important in a way, like we're doing a lot of good work. You know, I... I make no bones about it that I can't stand Trump. And I'm glad that at least during his administration, I had a job that uh, challenged his agenda from day one. So, yeah, I, that's that's important to me, too. I certainly wouldn't be running for office or anything like that, but uh, I really do like the insight into like the grassroots aspects of organizing that I've learned on this job. And I think that that's almost more important than trying to build a career as far as like running for office in a way. I think uh, you, you have a way to reach a lot of people and it's kind of fascinating to see how it, how it all works.
and just, you know, how even reaching out to a thousand people can make a difference. And I, I've seen that and it's, it's, um, it kind of gives me hope. You know, my, my sister always said about me, she's, you know, when you're into things, you're really into things. And I just, I, I like to, I do like to discover and learn things. I, I was out of um, video games for a long time, uh, but for Christmas, like I think it was in 2013, I got an Xbox 360. And I spent the next year immersing myself and learning as much as I could about video games. By the end of that year, I had an Xbox One, a PS4, uh, PlayStation 2, a PlayStation 3, a Wii U. A Wii. I mean, like, I went like, you know, so it's like, I, I, I like to, um, I, I don't like, I like to have the options of experiencing a lot of different aspects from these different things that I, I'm into. And it just, it's, um, yeah, it's, it helps that um, I, I, I'm curious. I like, I'm curious. I like to learn things. And um, I think that's, if anything, my obsession with story and my love of the idea of learning things is what really drives my obsession with geek culture. First, there was the DC Comics News podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the Knight. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the Knight. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Mad Pup, a Harley Quinn cast. Harley Quinn? Harley fucking Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making Bat Shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look, Ogre. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and battle me, nods. I definitely do not fuck. Death. In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't fuck with Lois Lane. For fuck's sake. I'm a damn good cop. Lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. <laughs> Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. Fuckers. Picture this. Someone who knows nothing about comics. Someone who knows comics from movies, TV, and video games. A complete ultra-comics nerd. You pick the character you want us to talk about. You send us the questions you want answered. You make the show. A podcast by fans. For fans. Making new fans. Superheroes or Dummies! Part of the Comics in Motion Podcast Network. All work and no play makes for a dull way to live, don't you agree? Join me, Adam Ray, and a very special guest each week on the Hostile Takeover, where they and I discuss 
their favorite game, PC, console, board game or tabletop, whatever they decide, what we will talk about. Let gaming be the way forward. Working's too much. It's time for a hostile taker. Coming soon to a podcast feed near you. Hi, my name's Steve, and I'm here to tell you all about the DC Comics News Podcast. Every week, my friends and I sit down and discuss everything DC. Movies, TV and streaming, comic books, and everything in between. But don't just take my word for it. Here are a couple of our sponsors. Listen to the DC Comics News Podcast. It's audio justice. (laughs) No, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Whatever the case, you can find the DC Comics News Podcast on every podcast platform. Apple Podcasts. Google Play. Spotify. Stitcher. And everywhere else you find podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. (laughs) Hello, listeners. This is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. Each sort of moment in time seems to be someone giving you a nugget and then you going, oh, I like that, and then running with it. Yeah, yeah. I uh, And I think that that is because I was in a position where um, I did have to learn those things on my own in a way. Like, you know, because, my, you know, my siblings were all kind of out of the house, except for my sister, Susie, who she had Down syndrome. So it was, it was me and her at home with my parents. My other siblings were out of the house. And um, so in a way, I didn't have them bringing home a lot of records. Like I had my, my one sister would bring home Neil Young albums and my other sister would bring home show tunes. And my dad would like the AM country stations. And, and that was really my first that was what i was exposed to and then as far as things like tv <laughs> i i remember when i was growing up it would be a friday night uh tradition of watching the incredible hulk and then dukes of hazard because I, I was huge into cars when i was really little too so i loved dukes of hazard so it was my dad liked the incredible hulk and we watched dukes of hazard and then my my mom and sister would come in to watch dallas and uh so that was I was exposed to, and a lot of musicals. I was actually uh, a child actor for a while. My 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 one sister worked at a uh, a dinner theater, 
and uh, they got me into acting. So I was exposed to that kind of like the theater and show business way in that a little way. So I had that exposure, um, which was probably pretty also important. And that was right around the time too when I when I discovered GI Joe, and you know this was this was in the eighties, and I remember um, walking around with my action figures backstage and one of the stage hands said you know basically why would you be so proud of the soldiers when you know when was the last time america won a war and that really struck me because at that point the last war we were in i mean we were still getting you know we were still feeling the the wounds of vietnam and that really kind of made me think a little bit it's those things that kind of shake you out of being a kid and um force you know and and comics and pop culture was part of that and that's still and 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 another reason why i still love it so much is because i still respect how much i learn from reading comics i i you know for instance and this is the easiest example but you know, if you read a Thor comic and you have the background uh, or Wonder Woman comics and you have that background, you go into your, uh, you know, junior high um, mythology classes and you know everything before the teacher even opens her mouth. You know all the gods and goddesses and, and what they do and who they are. And, you know, it's just, uh, I mean, I cannot... The, the the amazing amount of stuff that I've learned strictly from reading comics is is amazing, and um, and I, I think that the, the the work being produced is so good that when I say I love this geek culture stuff, it's not about wanting to go back to being a kid or that sense of nostalgia. I love what's happening now. Um, I love what's happening in the Marvel movies, DC movies, all the stuff that's coming out on all these different streaming services. It's about the now. It's not about yesterday. Uh, you know, I, I remember reading the comics and loving them and then watching the cartoon of G.I. Joe and thinking, my God, this comic is so much better and so much more sophisticated than what we're seeing on the screen. Like if you're a fan and you're just watching the stupid cartoon, you are missing out on a lot of what's going on. And I, and I would remember reading issues with my mom and my sister and asking, what does that, what does that phrase mean? What does that mean? And, and learning that way as well. So it's, um, it's about learning things, but it's also about a fun way to learn things. These, I, I do think that those stories were, very cleverly told and the writing was good so it's not just a clinical what am i going to learn it's about really enjoying the story being told as well it's like this spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down like you know the the good stories making what you're learning you know that much more palpable we always had somewhere to go somewhere to be somebody to to visit that kind of thing and um uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, in a way, I don't know if I would look at those things as somewhere to get away from the chaos, but maybe a way to relate. Or I like finding things that I saw myself in. Uh, 
And that's probably why I would be more inclined to read, you know, look, look, I physically, I'm like, I'm, I'm five foot tall. I'm, I'm, I'm really short. So I never really saw myself reflected in things like Conan. So when I got reading comics, things like that were a little bit less my jam than something like X-Men, where you had Wolverine, who was short and just, you know, kicking an amazing amount of butt. And going back to the Stephen King thing, I think that was a very huge anchor of why I like Stephen King was that he wrote, even though most of his stories were centered in Maine, I could see my experience reflected in those books. It was small town. It was things that might seem a little creepy and off. And when you're young in a small town and exploring, you find things like that, you know, it's, it's inevitable. So I, rather than making sense of it or trying to, I, I think I'd like seeing my own experiences reflected in what I was reading. What got me into music was metal. And I, you know, that's the anthrax, which led to Metallica and which eventually led to punk rock, which I got into like the quote unquote 90s alternative literally months before Nirvana broke. And so I, I think I always like things that challenge the norm. Um, I would yeah, I, I would be the type of person that would go to high school and see the pop music that people were listening to and just wanted to rebel against that in a way. Not, not in full rebellion against my parents and against the world, but just in my own, my own taste and what I was um, listening to. And I, I guess um, part of my thirst for knowledge, because once you, once you start pulling back the surface on all the music that's out there, I mean, that's a rabbit hole that, that you could fall into and never come out of for the rest of your life, just finding more obscure records and bands that people had never heard of and, and uh, you know, things like that. And back in those, those days, magazines were a lot easier to find on the newsstand. So I would get a lot of music magazines and, and that's, it, it's again, it's one of those things when you're into something, you're really into it. So whenever I would read an album review that sounded interesting, I would have to find that album. And if I liked it, I would have to find every other album that that band did. And I just wanted to, you know, more and more and more and more and more. And uh, uh, I, I just found that the more authentic music or the more authentic experience was those underground bands. And when you're a teenager, you're a little angry anyway. And, and the punk and metal really kind of reflected that for me. I, I found my, I guess my own emotions uh, reflected in like the angrier metal and, and punk rock at the time. If I had any addiction or any vice, it would definitely be the whole books, uh, video games, music thing, you know, that, that, and in, in a way it goes to things like, you know, graphic t-shirts or something, because, you know, it's my love for this stuff is stuff that I want to reflect, you know, I want to show to the world. So that's why, you know, I have uh, a ton of nerd and, and band shirts and things like that still to this day. So going off that then, flying the geek flag, as it were, do you find that people sort of start treating you differently or look at you slightly differently if you if you start talking about the things that you're into? You know, I have learned and, you know, people and, and you know, social media 
there's a lot of negative about it. But I'm very honest on things like my Facebook page. I post a lot of what I'm reading and what I'm watching and what I'm listening to and things like that. And I do it from a very honest place in my heart. And that comes through. So even people I went to high school with, they see I'm posting about comics or whatever. Um, you know, when I go back home to Ohio and I'll be in the grocery store and I run into somebody that I went to school with, one of the first things that they say is, oh, oh, I've seen your posts on Facebook. How, you know, how you doing? You know, so I think that you're going to get respect no matter what you're into and what you show to the world is if, if you do it in a very genuine and honest way. I don't have any shame or hesitation about showing to the world how much I love geek culture. And when it's something that that's that genuine, it comes through. So I don't think people look at me any different. I think that they say, oh, that's the that's the guy I went to high school with that was it's really into it's really into comics and and movies and things like that. And uh, I, I think that that really if you if you come across really genuine with the things you love, I think that goes a real long way about how it's perceived. And it just it just comes through. I get the impression that your your family, your parents are always quite accepting about whatever you were into. Yes. Oh, and oh, you know, that that is something that is extremely, extremely important because here's the thing with 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 them. They never said I couldn't, you know, be they totally accepted what I was into. But it's not something that they ever understood. You know, like I say, you know, um the the t-shirts of bands that i would wear back in back in uh, college and high school they had no idea they thought it was just weird but they let me run with it you know they didn't they never questioned it or why would you be into this you know my my dad when i was young uh put me in little league you know so i would play baseball soccer hated every minute of it every single sport hated every minute of it but i did it for him but once i got to high school i started playing the drums and went to band and uh i formed some real lifelong friendships with my experience in band and he never felt like like he would he wished he was going to see me play football instead of playing in the band you know or you know watch me you know play a drum recital instead of playing a baseball game uh he was just my mom too they were just really happy to see me participate and truly love the things that i was doing and that is so important you know the older i get the more i am thankful about that you know that i didn't have that pressure you know as long as i was you know ha happy but also active you know I, I that was that's what the important thing was and the rest will work itself out. You know, you'll find your way. You know, I um, I kind of have a personal rule: uh, is if an opportunity presents itself, never turn it down. And I think that's what kind of helped me get kind of the varied experiences. Because you know, even even when I was working in the music magazine. Uh, it would be like, hey, would you like to do this? Yes. And that's how I got writing for them. And um, 
you know, managing a trade show that they had and things like that. It was all, you know, somebody says, Hey, would you want to do this? Yes. It, you know, it, the DC comics news thing is a perfect example. Uh, you know, they, when I saw that ad for writers, I said, Hey, that's an opportunity. I'm going to try to go through that door. And then when uh, I got the message from Josh saying, Hey, does anybody want to, to participate in the podcast? Oh man, I, I've been wanting to do that for so long. So I jumped right through that. And if you do that, then I think that you will find yourself having varied experiences that and just don't be scared to do it. Right now, there's if you're going into the more like academic look at comics, where a lot of people turn to, despite the classics like Watchmen, Dark Knight Returns, but there are a lot of these graphic memoirs that are being published right now that are really good and uh, kind of, they don't have that kind of stigma of being kid stuff that some comic books do. So I think you have a certain audience that's reading things like that, things like Fun Home, uh, Persepolis, things like that, uh, or um, uh, Can't We Talk About Something More Pleasant, things like that. And as good as those are, if you cut yourself off from these superhero comics that do have things to say, you're missing out. And I, I, I would just say, give the comics themselves a chance. Um, because also you do have, so many people go to these superhero movies. I mean, I find it astounding that a movie can make a billion dollars, yet they're still struggling to get people into the comic shops. So you have to realize that there is quality in those books. It's not just spectacle. And yeah, there's, there's quality in the movies, but I think what drives people to those theaters is the spectacle of it. And I think that that can still be found in the comic books and still as good and sophisticated as what you're seeing on screen. Um, in fact, there was a time where I think the comics were better than what you were seeing on screen. I think that's changed a little bit. I think that they're now just as good, but I think for a while there, uh, the comics were always better. So I would say, give it a chance. Stop thinking that they're kid stuff or stop thinking that you look stupid reading a comic book. I will happily read a comic book. And I'm not talking about a graphic novel. I'm talking about a comic book on the subway. And, uh, you know, and it's funny too, because... I do think that there still is a pretty big audience for these books because it seems like every week when I'm on the bus back from the comic shop, there's always somebody else on the bus reading a comic, getting from that, taking it out from that paper bag and opening it up. So, you know, I, I just think that people do have to give the books a chance. And I think they have to understand that there is something for everyone no matter what. So you don't like Spider-Man, but you, maybe you'll like um, something like Ed Brubaker's Criminal or, you know, a crime book or, you know, something like that. Um, maybe you don't like anime, but the still the Castlevania series that's on Netflix is really good, even though it's in an anime style. So, you know, just have, have an open mind. And uh, I, I think that you'll be pleasantly surprised if you're not into it. You will find something for everyone. And for parents out there, I think that um, it's a really cool way to connect to your kids if they are into things like anime. And, you, and, and say you used to collect comics when you were a kid and your kid's into anime. You say, oh, you like anime? Well, check out 
check out the 90s X-Men cartoon or something like that. So I, I think that there's also potential for a lot of bonding as, as well. And, uh, and I think that everyone should go to a big Comic-Con at least once in their life to have the experience. Because so many people have no idea what it's all about. And I think that would be uh, very enlightening for a lot of people. And I think to an extent, I think that most people, even if it's not about music or comics or whatever, they're a geek about something. Like, I, you know, I, there's a ton of sports geeks out there. And I, I'm sure that there's some good sports-based anime or, you know, um, or even like the origin story of Cyborg, who, who was a football player. You know, just kind of, so I would just cater recommendations to what their other interests are, because I think that everybody has them outside, you know, no matter what, I think there's a way in, which goes back to the fact that that's one of the beautiful things about, as a big umbrella geek culture, there is something for everyone that they can find their way in somehow. They don't have to like everything. Like I'm not, I don't collect toys. I, I'm really not into tabletop games or um, cosplay, something, those are things I appreciate, but I don't really, you know, it's not really my thing. Um, but I, I, but there are so many people that got into geek culture through board games, through Dungeons and Dragons, Magic the Gathering, things like that. And maybe sports car collectors one day got into a Magic the Gathering game to see what it's about, and all of a sudden then it's off to the races, and then they're reading Game of Thrones and playing Dungeons and Dragons and then it's all you know it's a whole different whole different ball game Brad is a contributor to dccomicsnews.com where you can read his views and reviews he's also in the process of bringing back his own website letstalknerdy.com You can also hear more from Brad on the DC Comics News podcast. And if you'd like to contact him, you can do so on Twitter at FelickyB1. Super Dummy production for Fantastic Universes. Find out more at fantasticuniverses.com and superdummy.co.uk slash geek. You can contact the show on Twitter at Era of Geek or by email geek at superdummy.co.uk. You can support the show and Fantastic Universes by joining our Patreon, patreon.com slash fantasticuniverses.